Welcome, everybody, to Spoilers Welcome. Thanks for tuning in and listening all the time, movies and spoilers, as always. This week, we're going to be talking about the art and person of Nicolas Cage and all of his surrealism and amazingness. And I'm Adam Evenson, and my partner is... Denton McGuire. Woo! Oh, Denton McGuire! I'm going to be the next Nicolas Cage. You're the next Nicolas Cage, huh? I'm the next Nicolas Cage, and you watch me, dang it. <laughs> you watch me, dang it. All right. Star in 150 movies, and then give me, what was it, like $6 million in debt? No, 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 okay, so, the, Nicolas Cage has been in over 120 movies. Um, oh, that's right. His goal is to be in 150 movies, uh, oh because gosh. it reminds him of the stars that he grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll, quote, I'll quote him real quick, Okay. Um, if that's okay. That's okay. Uh, so he was talking about some of his favorite, it's not the full quote, but he's talking about some of his favorite um, actors that he uh, grew up with and how they had so many movies and TV shows and stuff. And it was something that he could look forward to, you know, always like, oh, this guy's got a new movie out, whatever. And he goes, by design, you know, now with video on demand, I felt that if I made more movies, not only was it good for me financially, which we'll get into, mm-hmm. people would be able to tune in at home and go what's the next movie that Nick made? They'd have a large selection. So I'm not worried too much. I'm not worried too much about supply and not enough demand. I'm just trying to get back to a feeling that I enjoyed as a child on my Zenith television in the seventies, Nicholas Cage. He said that. So classic Nick Cage. That's awesome. I mean, I always get that feeling of wanting to go back to like something that I remember as a kid. I mean, even just yeah. before this, we were talking about classic shows like SpongeBob that we had seen, but like, I feel like Nick takes this to a whole new level of, uh, I'm just going to use the theme word for this whole episode, which is surrealism. I mean, he, he's yes. self-aware. We'll get into that, all this stuff. Um, yeah, he's just, he's a great guy, I think, but he's also very unique and interesting. Um, and I feel like everybody in the whole film community would agree with me and would agree with him because I feel like he is very aware of that himself. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he's super self-aware and, um... What was I just about to say? Oh, yeah. No, so uh, Nick, um, he uh, he is the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola. Um, yeah. So he kind of has a family, you know, with a very prestigious uh, film name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear Coppola if you're a film uh, fanatic and you're like, oh, Godfather, these other movies. So, you know, he, he was into that. Obviously, he has passion with um, uh, films from the past, you know, the way he grew up. And so uh, he he's very dedicated to uh, to acting and to film. And uh, I read a couple interviews, and and he uh, emphasizes that. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely, he's trying to build his own like mythology. He's trying to build his own. You know, Nicolas Cage is going to be this name that will go down as like in history. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, because even even if you don't know a whole lot about Nicolas Cage you know quite a bit about Nicolas Cage and some mm-hmm. of the things that he's been in. He's so, mm-hmm. uh, he's so famous for his, I, now I don't want to sound stupid, but I feel like he's famous for his infamy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Wait, would you use yeah. the word notoriousness or was it just like his notorious? Yes. There you go. That yeah, makes sense. That exactly. makes sense. Okay. And yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I feel like I'm going to catch up some of the people that are listening about, uh, some of the background stuff. So yes, let me let please. me get into it. So Nicholas Cage, uh, being an Italian, German, Polish nephew of Francis Ford Coppola, um, growing up in California, Long Beach, 
uh, Cage was born to Kim Coppola on January 7, 1964 in Long Beach, California, to a choreographer, Joy Vogelsang. If I butchered that, I'm sorry. And literature professor, Augusta Coppola. So choreographer and literature professor. So coming from a very, very smart past, we can already see. And I think we'll get into that. Some of the quotes we got for Nicolas Cage, especially you, Denton, really shine that. We'll see that. So Cage Um, has... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to ask you to go into his background on um, like his schooling and kind of like... That's next. I'll get right into that. So just before the schooling that Denton mentioned, uh, Cage has two older brothers, Mark and Christopher. He is the nephew, as we mentioned, of Francis Ford Coppola. And as a youth, he visited his uncle often at his San Francisco home. And we'll later even mention about him and uh, even wanting to get into his own, his uncle's movies. But we'll talk about that. So he went to Beverly Hills High School, Justin Siena High School, just a couple of those. He went to UCLA School of Theater, Film and Television, and the American Conservatory Theater. And I have a quote here. It says, age 15, Cage fell in love with acting during a summer class at the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. He dropped out of Beverly Hills High School to pursue an acting career, already showing his, his um, tenaciousness. Making, his passion, yeah. Mm-hmm, making his debut on television in 1981 in a pilot show. And I, don't, I didn't catch if it was canceled or not. Obviously, it didn't go anywhere because we didn't know, but who knows. So 1981. Yeah, it, didn't say, it didn't say the name of the show. It, it, uh, right. So, I mean, obviously, it was canceled. It was canceled after the pilot. Or yeah. if it said that the pilot was the furthest it made right you said you said that you saw that it said it was canceled or something like that i didn't see that it said it was canceled but the show name wasn't listed so i'm sure that a 1981 show that just got passed up but he that was his first television appearance and i actually didn't know i literally got this quote and i didn't even know that he dropped out of high school to pursue an acting career that it's just showing how tenacious this guy is this is insane oh my gosh okay let's see do you want me to keep going or i think that's all we had for the for the background but that it, next up, it just goes well, into his um, edgy and intense performances. Yeah. So let's stop right there and talk about some of the stuff. Yeah. So you said he was uh, 1981 was his first um, like television debut mm-hmm. uh, for a pilot, and then um, 1982, mm-hmm. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I think was his first dude, ever I, film. Can role. we do like a whole spot um, on Monty Python, dude? Yeah, he's a very minor character. I, be, comedy I barely remember genius. him. It's been a long time since it I've is seen so that movie. So funny. Um, he was I, I, he wasn't a he wasn't a major character um and then he was in three of his uncle's films um (laughs) thanks uncle (laughs) yeah for real i was trying to to find the name of i think it's like one of them was um oh was it well i gotta look it up was it birdie was birdie one of them was birdie one of them let me see i know the other one not not important not important what one thing that i do find interesting though is like when he already kind of started his um his career, uh, I think he was in a few of his uncle's movies. He was in three of them before the incident I'm, I'm about to bring up happened. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Francis Ford Coppola is known for the three Godfather films. Mm-hmm. And Nicolas Cage asked if he could be in uh, his his uh, uncle's movie, The Godfather 3. And his uncle told him no. And uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage uh, did an interview. Uh, they call it the, act, the Round Table of Actors. And uh, he was like, yeah, pretty... He was pretty embarrassed by that. <laughs> really? He, uh, Wait. Yeah, he seemed almost ashamed to admit it. So he was he was at the round table of actors with his uncle, and his uncle denied him? No. Oh. No, 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 no. No, so the round table of actors is like an interview series where like a bunch of different actors, they all talk oh, and like gotcha. spitball things about acting and stuff off of each other. And okay. this was like, 
recent, I think like in the last two, two years. Okay. And, um, he was like, or two or three years. And he was like, uh, they asked a question and he brought up how he asked his uncle if he could be in the Godfather three and his uncle turned him down. And he's like, so it's kind of embarrassing admitting this. Wow. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. What kind Which of kid? Super interesting. What kind of kid you got to be? I know not me that <laughs> where you would, you would drop out of high school to be an actor. And like in the first couple of years of you being an actor, you go to your uncle and he denies you. And that's like, I mean, I don't well, know. Just I hope for to... that one. Cause he was in three movies of his before he was in the Godfather three, but you know, oh, that's right. The Godfather is such a prestigious film title. Um, such a prestigious, uh, series yeah. that I feel like, you know, um, I think Francis knew, knew what he was doing, knew what he was saying by telling Nick, no, cause I think he knew what Nick was and what, what he had, um, in terms of acting chops. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I didn't even think the, about that. The first two movies yeah. had already come out. So it, yeah. uh, it was big, big chops back then. So that makes sense. But the thing I like about Nicolas Cage, right. Is like these movies that he was in of, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's obviously, Francis's biggest movie ever is The Godfather or Apocalypse Now. But, you know, when you hear when you hear Coppola, you think The Godfather. That's immediately what I thought of when I heard that he was his nephew. And um, he, you know, these other movies that Nick was in directed by him, I don't think are very well known. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're like more low key movies of his. So I feel like Nick really he stepped to his own like he step to his own because um he started like getting traction from doing his own things like seeking out his own films and and being his own talent um which i think is really impressive because he really came into his own in the 90s with a lot of these like kind of underground films that ended up blowing up mm -hmm. yeah and honestly like he he's continued that he's a very um very yes. I, I don't know what even we would call it like he's just been that way his whole life yeah. yeah very persistent oh my goodness because, oh, this is something I wanted to bring up. Even with, like, the, the big-budget movies and the movies that people know him for, like National Treasure. So, okay, we were talking about how National Treasure is kind of like a, eh, you know, it's yeah, it's National Treasure, right? Yeah, um, It you know doesn't it. really seem like Nick's, like, coolest or, like, most impressive role. Yeah. Well, he his acting is pretty tame in that film for a Nicolas Cage movie. Mm -hmm. But the thing I do want to say is that the, or the writers were extremely smart in choosing Nicolas Cage to play, um, the main character, because I feel like I couldn't imagine anybody other than Nicolas Cage stealing the declaration <laughs> of independence Yeah, or kidnapping the president. Dude. I can't, I can't imagine anybody else doing that. Dude, and, and um, the way that he does it, I can just picture his face right now. Just being like totally stone faced, just being like, Mr. President, we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, I pulled you over to tell you I'm kidnapping you so I can steal a book from your presidential library. <laughs> but don't worry, it's going to it's going to clear my family's name. It's going to be fine. Just just come with me, please. <laughs> <laughs> we're Freemasons, we're a cult, and we're trying to uncover the fact that we weren't a cult, even though we are a cult this entire time. <laughs> Just a, dude, I, I can literally... Okay, yeah, you're right. Nobody could have played that role besides dude, him. Dude, literally. And I'm Even just though like, it's not as like best, oh, you know, okay, it's but it's... It's tame. It's tame for Nick, but it's yeah. like, dude, come if, on now. If you replaced if him with anybody else, it would not work. Yeah, I couldn't saying. see it. If, if I wanted to watch anybody steal uh, the declaration or kidnap the president, <laughs> I, I wouldn't... <laughs> I would have thrown in a couple hundred dollars. Please, please put in Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Put in him for Dude, this movie. 
that's and yeah and uh i don't even know what i would be as a director to see like what he would do in like a film like that because from his track record he's done some really insane stuff when it comes to like method yeah. acting and stuff man yeah. i i Go even have break that down yeah i was gonna say i've got this quote here from uh just how what did you say avant-garde avant-garde yeah yeah like how oh my gosh he's just so my my word was surreal it says here Cage is known for his edgy, intense personality and for his passion for method acting. Obviously, he is said to have oh, here we go. He is said to have had two teeth pulled for his role in Birdie, slashed his arm for Racing with the Moon, 1984, and swallowed a live cockroach for Vampire's Kiss, 1992, which he won. Oh, no, that was um, Las Vegas. My bad. I thought he won an Academy Award for that, but I have another quote for Vampire's no. Kiss later. He is also alleged, uh, alleged to have destroyed a street vendor's remote-controlled car in a fit of rage while preparing for his role as a mobster in the Cotton Club, 1984. What was going on in 1984 for Nick? Yeah, that was early Nicolas Cage. That's when he was really getting his uh, foothold. That was three years after he got into acting, dude. He quit yeah. high school. Three years into it, he's doing these. He's pulling his teeth out, slashing his arms, <laughs> and blowing up assets from movies just because he wants to get into a role. Like, that, re that really says a lot about Nicolas Cage as an actor, too. <laughs> yeah. um, so I want to bring up a quote that he said. Um, okay. So uh, someone, uh, an interviewer asked him about uh, his like acting methods. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is what Nicolas Cage said. It's a short quote, but he goes, I saw myself as a surrealist, and this is going to sound pretentious, but I was trying to invent my own mythology around myself. So um, He's using my word. <laughs> <laughs> huh, yeah exactly well i, so, I mean he definitely but, yeah. is he definitely is surreal um mm -hmm. i love i love him man he, dude he um <laughs> he's trying to create his own mythology around okay for everybody that's listening i even thought that that sounded a little like a little a lot kind of like self-centered but you kind of get this feeling when you get he's more into him that he's self-aware but that doesn't mean he's super self-centered you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well and like so going into the mythology of Nicolas Cage, um, I would say, especially in the year 2022, he has reached and almost peaked that because I, th I think Nicolas Cage in terms of having a mythology as an actor is probably one of the most like well-known or probably more fleshed out actors with a quote unquote mythology, you know? Cause like, I mean, you look at some other actors and they're like, oh yeah, they have great movies. They have, um... They've done some, you know, wild things, but like, he seems to continue to blow me away in, in terms of what he's doing when it comes to movies and, and outside of movies. Um, for example, um, you know, the past two or three years, uh, no, I'm sorry, not two or three years, the past like 10 to 12 years mm -hmm. has been Nicolas Cage trying to catch up with himself in terms of finances. Mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people know this because, you know, 2018 to now mm -hmm. has been like a barrage of Nicolas Cage movies mm -hmm. that are like straight to DVD or straight to video. Um, and you're exactly. like, what kind of, and like I Nicolas wonder Cage why used to be a high brow, <laughs> high profile actor. Mm -hmm. And a list. All these it's crappy, sad, quotes. Yeah. A list. And now he's taking all these crappy little, you know, low budget movies. Like what's going on? Huh? So I wonder, would you like to break that down? Didn't figure out I would why does Nicolas Cage down. do a bunch of movies like that? So, uh, Originally, he had a net worth of $150 million. 
Wow. And Nicolas Cage went on what we would like to call a legendary spending spree of his wealth. Uh, do you want to break down what he spent some of his money on? Oh, Adam? please let me. It says, uh, quote says, from buying castles in Europe, a fleet of Rolls Royces, and an array of other exotic items, including a dinosaur skull, which I think, Denton, you figured out he stole the dinosaur <laughs> he st- skull? He said he stole the dinosaur, or or it was a stolen dinosaur skull that he bought. Oh, okay, okay. Well, at yeah. least spending more money. Yeah, he spent, um, had, it literally says his spending sprees were legendary. And do you want to go with uh, what happened after that? Or do you want me to go about the whole IRS bit? Oh, I got it. In 2009, he owed the IRS $6.4 million. Uh, He started taking uh, all the obscure movies that we talked about, ended up racking 20 movies in two years, which was from 2018, probably to 2019. I'm sorry, 2017 to 2019, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was 14 between 2018 and 19 alone. Like, so 14, wow. Yeah. So he racked 20 movies in two years, uh, and he ended up getting out of debt, and as of the last time his net worth was counted for, which was 2021, um, he is worth $25 million, which is not even (laughs) close to what he was originally worth, which was $150 million. Jeez. To go from 150 uh, million to 25 million after spending yep. 10 years of trying, like, what kind of what kind of situation do you have to be in for that? Oh my god! Well, gosh. and like like you said, some of the things that he was uh, spending <clears throat> weren't even useful. Mm-mm. Um, nothing. Uh, one thing I did hear about Nicholas Cage is that um, he liked to buy properties a lot. He bought a lot of properties. Oh yeah, I remember you were saying something um, about his search for buying properties and stuff yes oh do you want me to get into that <laughs> oh my god hold on just before you do um so some other things like he took on the roles obviously to help him pay back this um mm. his his debt that he was in pretty much and yeah. it, what happened was he got his taxes unpaid taxes so I, obviously negligence was a very big problem that nick had struggled with with his acting career is 150 million dollars but up till Get this, 2008 and 2009 housing market crash. Like, what didn't that affect? Obviously, it affected Nick Cage. He had to pay back his taxes, and the IRS, he got even uh, in worse trouble with them. So he had to uh, pay back all of that starting since 2009 that he knew that he was going to be in trouble. Maybe 2010, you know, when he really figured it out come tax season later. But I'm thinking, like, what— was going what was he go and this is a good segue into your your uh section for his um <laughs> mythology and his search for different things yeah what was he doing for those 11 years besides you know working with in movies for money i'll throw it to you <laughs> <clears throat> actually i don't know what you want me to segue to <laughs> oh sorry i was talking about the uh the holy grail search in his properties and things oh like that. yeah my bad i'm sorry you're good <laughs> I, I was drinking water and got distracted by the beauty of, of health you're good. Um, so, uh, Nicholas Cage did an interview. Um, I've been quoting a lot of uh, material from that interview. Uh, the, interview a- the interviewer asked him um, about his search for a holy grail. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nick <that's> said <laughs> he has been searching for um, the holy grail, saying that he's been buying properties in areas that align with... Um, somewhere that the holy grail has been or could be and uh he even said that um there is supposedly a lake 
in an area that he was looking to purchase a house in, or he did purchase a house in. And, uh, <laughs> or it was like a, a river, or like a little pond or whatever, but it tasted like iron, or it tasted like blood, uh, supposedly because there's iron in the water supply, mm-hmm. and sweat. And, you know, in like mythology, uh, the Holy Grail, there are two cups. Um, right. You know, one is like blood and one is sweat. You got to drink the right one or whatever. So he seemed pretty serious about it, but uh, he kind of broke it down that it's become more of a um, metaphorical search. Yeah. So okay, that makes sense. So he's trying to find this this physical holy grail at some point. Which honestly, that that is kind of what we mean when the whole uh, film community talks about Nicolas Cage being not only uh, um, I don't want to say freak because he's very he knows what he's doing. But he he's very, very self-aware. Yeah, very self-aware, very out there when it comes to doing anything. It's not just yeah. the acting, which will I mean, yeah, I have exactly. a couple quotes about that. But like it's literally him with the whole mythology thing. He's ta- I mean, he's sure he's talking about himself. He's very self-aware, but he's looking for something, the Holy Grail. And he doesn't you know, he doesn't care what other people think. He's doing what he yeah. wants to do. He's searching for this exactly. stuff. That is very interesting. And didn't you say that like he literally bought property in Rhode Island for that purpose? yes that's what it was they said that they said that the holy grows in rhode island and, and the interviewer was like is that why you bought property there and he's like yeah i guess yeah i guess <laughs> dude what a yeah anyways that's crazy and like another thing is um that i that i find so kind of humorous about nicholas cage is there's all these like wild stories um about him that he's like shared and he just seems so so calm about it so like oh. there's a story that he did mushrooms with a cat and uh, <laughs> I remember we were talking that, about that. <laughs> yeah, he stated that he is anti-drug, and um, he only ever drinks alcohol in between shooting movies to kind of, you know, break down and, mm-hmm. and kind of wipe his palate clean. Um, but mm-hmm. he uh, he says that he had mushrooms in his fridge. It didn't mention why he had mushrooms in his fridge, but he had a cat that knew how to open the fridge and get to the mushrooms. <laughs> And the cat started eating mushrooms and got high and loved it. And Nick decided to indulge in mushrooms along with his cat. And uh, (laughs) he said it was a beautiful and like peaceful experience, but he would never do mushrooms again. Oh, I'm just like, no one has mushrooms in the fridge accidentally eats them with their cat that who got them out of the fridge, by the way, (laughs) who got them out of the fridge for him and, and his owner. Dude, oh my gosh. That's like that's so wild to me. Like, I can, you can I make that I an don't animated want to believe movie. It, but then again, it's Nick Cage. Like, what am I gonna do? Like you can make that an animated short film, but he just seemed he seems so calm about it, is what I find so funny about that interview. He's about everything. Obviously it was just words, but mm-hmm. from the the um like visual and audio interviews that I've watched with Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. he uh he seems very articulate um when he talks. Um mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think know, something about him. He's like a weird wise. Well, as I was saying before, like, and he was born to uh, his mom and I think Kim Coppola and mm. his uh, his dad, a choreographer and a literature professor. That so, makes sense. or unless that was part of his family, I think that was his father, but I I could be wrong. Um, yeah. So just just the fact that he is um, comes from this background of like being in this literary house, background. very yeah, and it's not just prestigious in the fact that you have a name. But it's like prestigious yeah. in the fact that you know you have to know what you're doing, and it's you like have a craft. It, 
Yeah, it almost feels like that Nicolas Cage's craft is like, I don't care what anybody says, but I know what I'm going to do. And even if that thing is, exactly. I'm going to search for a holy grail and be the best at acting that I can be, like, at least yeah. he knows what he's doing in that area. But, you exactly. know, some people could think he's really outlandish for that, you know? So it's, yeah, it's interesting. But he's de he definitely knows intellectually what he means and um, in his, in his soul, in his will, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. So, um, one thing I want to talk about is the Nicolas Cage mythology kind of coming full circle. Mm -hmm. uh, so, since everybody knows about his, uh, you know, his financial, well, not everybody, but a lot of people know about his financial problems and mm -hmm. his very outlandish acting and uh, odd approaches, uh, <laughs> there's a movie coming out this year, 2022, called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is a meta look on Nicolas Cage as like a younger Nicolas Cage having financial problems. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> and being hired by a millionaire uh, to do some shady, shady things. Um, and yeah. if you watch the trailer, you know, Nicolas Cage is extremely Nicolas Cage in this movie. Um, <laughs> the most Nicolas Cage he's ever been. The most Nicolas Cage he's ever been. Uh, and I'm excited for it because, like I said, very meta kind of touches up on you know uh not a real life story but real life problems that he has and also mm -hmm. mixing his his acting into a somewhat you know interpretation of what mm -hmm. you know the crazy things he would do for money right mm -hmm. um and uh speaking of that movie uh he did an interview when the movie pig came out mm -hmm. oh and, yeah uh, pig when did that yeah. came out this year or last year that this came year. out 20 last year that came out 2019 or no, I'm sorry, 20, 2021? Yeah, it came yeah, out in 2021. It, yeah, it's just last year. I think so. Um, so he did an interview, and before anybody really knew what uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent was, he brought it up in this interview. And uh, what I think is interesting is he said that he does not plan on watching this movie. Um, and the yeah. reason is because it is an over-exaggerated version of himself that he says isn't true to real life. Mm -hmm. He uh, mentions that he's kind of quiet, very, um, you know, articulate to himself mm -hmm. and uh he said that since it's so meta it might be too psychologically invasive for one nicholas cage um <laughs> for himself which i think is kind of funny yeah <laughs> yeah oh my gosh i think on top of that like nick cage okay my opinion with that movie and with everything else nick has been going through he mm. i feel like this movie is the first movie that symbolizes his coming out of this this struggle that he's been in for so long, literally yeah. more than 10 years in 29, 2009. If he knew what he was going through 2019, this would have is been a big 10 budget, years. you know, big casted, big right. casted movie, huge, big name actors are in this. Um, yeah. yeah. And so like, I, Pedro I was saying, yep. I was thinking of his name. I was like, who, ah, oh, Mandalo, who's Mando? Who's Mando? Is yeah. Pedro yeah. Pascal. Uh, I mean, Neil Patrick Harris, like so many Neil people, Patrick Harris, Tiffany Haddish. Mm -hmm. yeah. Who else is in there? That's all I remember from the trailer because we haven't That's seen the movie know, yet. Because there, there wasn't a whole lot of other. But we will yeah. when the movie comes out. We're definitely going to be watching it and doing something on that. Oh, if we but, can get it uh, direct, like to video or whatever, mm -hmm. we're going to attempt to do a live stream of it on our Twitch. On any streaming uh, service they are, yeah, we're definitely going to try to yep. make that our first so, live streaming movie. So be there. Keep up, <laughs> keep up with the uh, social media, and you will find out more about our Twitch account that will be releasing soon so we can live stream movies with an audience mm -hmm. 
And on that note, I All want right. to go through real quick just about some of the, the roles. Actually, go through the movies that he was going through real quick. Um, when it comes to yeah. Nicolas Cage's like B movie, honestly, B movie roles that he was in, mm-hmm. um, that I have a quote, and then I have something that I wanted to say about it. it the quote says, "Go ahead." Uh, in addition to this, uh, which was talking about Nicolas Cage's B movies, Nicolas Cage's roles in recent movies are low budget, independent, fair, uh, fanfare or just fair, sorry, that don't get a theatrical release most of the time. While the size of the film's budget should have no bearing on the movie's quality, obviously, it can hamper certain aspects of production and come across as a B-movie. As a result, combining this with inexperienced directors and lackluster, cliched scripts, movies such as Grand Isle, Left Behind, and 211 all fall into the bad Nicolas Cage movie category. Grand Isle even has the unbelievable position of a 0% score on Rotten Tomatoes. He's also primarily wow. making thrillers and horror movies, which are cheap to make, but often difficult to find anything fresh to say narratively. Uh, yeah, so that's definitely what he's been doing for these last 10 years. Like, goes back to my question, Can like, say, what is he doing? Yeah. Can I say something about the whole horror movie thing? Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of people have uh, noticed Nicolas Cage for um, two big horror movies that he's done in the past two years, which mm-hmm. is Mandy and Color Out of Space. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, both of them were like Shutter originals and kind of oh. blew up in their own way. Kind of both have like cult followings. Mm-hmm. But um, Color Out of Space is like a twist, or not really a twist, but almost an adaptation of a um, H.P. Lovecraft novel. Oh, okay. And um, honestly, love Nicolas Cage in that movie. I think the directors they definitely know what they're doing and they know who they have, right? Mm-hmm. Like on Shutter, they they know they know the presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know the uh, reputation that follows Nick, and um, I think they do good work with him. Because uh, like Color Out of Space, you have a family man. Obviously, spoilers. Welcome to Color Out of Space. Um, <laughs> you have a family man working on a farm. This weird meteor falls into you know the front of their uh, the front of their farm, and uh, you know he's like a family man, father. And I love seeing Nicolas Cage like that, kind of calm and in a fatherly role. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this like meteor thing starts to affect the family's like mental state and like the mother ends up like warping into this weird monster and he (laughs) locks her into the, the top floor room and is like, you know, my wife is fine. She's fine. She's just (laughs) sick. Cause like she technically, I think she died and then like, you know, mutated into this weird monster And, uh, and he just kept her in he's the, like going the crazy, top floor. <laughs> trying to like hold on to her. And uh, his daughter is like, Dad, you're messing up. And he's like, get in there and kiss your mother. And he like throws her into the room. <laughs> the mother comes up, like her arms and legs are like twisted. And she's like, wow. Yeah. My point was, I like that movie. <laughs> I just, wow. I just think that, um, you know, yeah, the, I haven't seen those movies. The whole but... crazy. Yeah. The whole crazy works for Nicolas Cage. Um, Dang. If it's done well. Because like I said, uh, this movie is dealing with, um, it's dealing with supernatural elements and things that make you go mental. So that's, that's what I think is kind of cool is like, you know, we know what we have. Let's work with it. Because he starts very calm and very, uh, Mm -hmm. just, I wanted him to be my dad until he, you know, threw his (laughs) daughter in a room with a monster. I want him to, I want Nick Cage to be my dad. Why is he throwing that girl in that room? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, why is he holding oh. a shotgun to her right now? What is he doing? He's threatening his daughter, and then he's doing that that classic Nick Cage look where he just stares at you with his eyes totally wide open, and he's just like, 
hi. And he's just like, like there yeah. and you're like, oh my Ugh. gosh. He definitely does that. Oh gosh. Yeah, he de- I, Dude, oh my I've God. seen image. I haven't seen the Mandy or uh, what was the other one called? Color Out of Space is Color what out of I was space. just talking about. I haven't yeah. seen those, but I, yeah, I've seen the, the pictures of <laughs> just his face going nuts on those. Yeah. It, yeah. It's. That makes me think of like crazy. the Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't, I haven't seen the entire movie. Uh, I've seen, you know, the clips that are infamous for uh, <laughs> many reasons, for but when they have, he has a basket on his head full of bees <laughs> and he's like, ah, ah, and his oh, eyes are yeah. all wild. And, and you were, you were saying that like Nick Cage before the movies, like pig and Willie's wonderland, which I really want to talk about that in a second. Yeah. Like he's, will. he's known for these screamy kind of loud, like Nick Cage L- calm loud, until he gets yeah. to crazy mode. And yeah, and like, that's that's a majority of his of his movies, um, or just very like goof, like goofy, like yeah. over the top, like you know, like flop. Oh, I just spilled my coffee. <laughs> flop, <laughs> like floppy, yeah. very floppy and like uh, limber. Uh, yeah. when he's like reacting to things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I but, mean I've seen him in like like kid movies, like when I saw him as a kid, like Sorcerer's Apprentice, he either plays a really calm, like family style movie, like very calm, like, like we said, National Treasure or uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, kind of like family style guy. But when he Mm -hmm. needs to get crazy, I feel like either that's because of the direction and the directors he's had, or that's his own choice. But he's really creates that creepy kind of vibe pretty well with his facial expressions. And I feel like that's how he goes all out is just making screamy, creepy characters. So. Kind of makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> his classic, like... Yeah. <laughs> like, Dude, the meme. If I, uh, the meme where he's, like, looking meme. up and his eyes are open and his mouth is wide open. And he's like... Oh, gosh. Dude, um, I, have a, oh, I have a quote real quick. This one... Yeah. Okay, so th- even though we were just talking about him doing these creepy, weird thriller things, from Ethan Hawke, it says he hit it on the nail on the head mm-hmm. and his summation of Nicolas Cage's contribution to cinema as a whole, writing on Reddit, Hawke said that he's the only actor since Marlon Brando that actually has done anything new with the art of acting. And the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, what did Marlon Brando act in? And what was Nicolas Cage around? Coppola. The Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather. He came to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> So maybe he got um, inspiration from that, but even though we were just talking about him doing crazy stuff, like he's still out there. He's doing new things with it. So I want to know how you interpret that quote. What may like, okay. how, how do you interpret that quote? What is he bringing to acting that others haven't since Marlon Brando? Like what is so, what is so different? What's so fresh? What's so new, even though he's in these movies that kind of suck? Like what? Right. I think, okay. So here's my thing. He says he's the only actor since Marlon Brando that's actually done anything new with the art of acting. And I don't know what Marlon Brando's past is um, almost at all. I know he's a great, amazing actor. But when it comes to pushing the boundaries, what I think I interpret that being Nicolas Cage's past is the um, the comeback story, like how he's how he's going through all of this stuff. And no matter what he's doing, he's pushing the boundaries of what it means to to act in a in an indie movie in a b-rated movie throughout all of time that he's doing these movies and even to come out on yeah. top looking back on his movies and saying even though the production quality was really bad and there was new directors and inexperienced people like i was there and you can still see my movies and say that's nicholas cage not just or that that's the actor he, the character he was playing not just yeah okay it's just another nick cage you know b-rated movie exactly and that like that's something that i think is really important too is like mm-hmm. it's not all nick you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he obviously has his acting style and he has things that he likes to bring to the movie, but he even um, is quoted as saying that if a director doesn't like some of his artsy, like um, weird takes as like for his character, 
if the director doesn't like it, you know, he'll he'll say, okay, I'll drop it. Right. So he's only going, you know, he tries he tries to push boundaries, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, if the director doesn't want it, he respects the director's opinion and just drops it. But right. you know, that's that's the thing is like, you know, we've seen a lot of these movies uh, Nick Nick Cage has been in in the past couple of years where it's like. Oh, another Nicolas Cage movie looks cra- trash, throw it away, looks trash, throw it away. Mm-hmm. And then you get, you know, the little gold nugget that is Pig. Like, a movie <laughs> that is there to throw your expectations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of people, uh, when it first came out, they were like, I want to see this because it's Nicolas Cage. Right. Because it looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Because it's about a man that loses his pig. <laughs> it's and literally just John Wick. Pig. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So you, uh, I've seen the movie recently. I watched it. It was very, um, as you described it earlier, like it's it's an indie movie, right? Like it's a new, yeah. it's a new kind of like um, dark style with really interesting. What are we gonna say? Elements. But the thing I, the thing I wanted to say is that like that director and those writers knew how to utilize Cage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. Is like right. they know how to utilize him. You know, even if the movie doesn't really like maybe that's one of those movies where it wouldn't work without nick you know what i mean right and okay and that that's where i was gonna get because dang you're reading my mind willie's wonderland and pig are literally the two movies that in my opinion Mm -hmm. i think show his best work when it doesn't come to a horror thriller Although Pig was kind of like it was an it was a drama, you know, it was, it was an intense, um, it was action packed for sure. But Willy's Wonderland was like a comedy horror movie. Yeah, Willy's Wonderland was a comedy horror movie. Pig was like a melodramatic, uh, drama art it wasn't, house. It, yeah, indie. like an art house indie style. And like I think Nick, in my opinion, Nick Cage does his best work because or uh, when he's doing a silent role or an almost silent role now because yeah. of his facial expressions are so manipulative. That when he does, and even when they're not, and he's just stone-faced, I know from his past that he is a fan of, like, Bruce Lee, right? And even, he's quoted as doing, um, see if you remember the movie, when he's doing a role for the director and he does a scene where he mimics what Bruce Lee did, it's all- It was Mandy. Mandy. And it's all in the facial expressions. And they said, man, that that works. And he said, yeah, it worked because I knew it would work. So he knows what he's doing and he's getting inspiration from people like Bruce Lee who, hey, guess what? Also did a lot of silent roles or not talking roles. So he's not, I feel like he's not dialogue driven. He is very physically driven and facial expression driven, which is why I think movies like Willy's Wonderland and Pig show his best kind of work when he's just in it for the acting, not so much in the, in the dialogue. That's what I think is interesting about Willy's Wonderland is because <laughs> it is such an outlandish film. It is like yeah. Pushing ridiculously the <laughs> ridiculous, right? It's if, for those of you that haven't seen it uh, again, spoilers, welcome for Willy's Wonderland. But um, mm-hmm. it's about these possessed animatronic. Um, yeah, animatronics Literally like animatronic like five animals. Of Freddy's characters. Um, if you've played the game. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a Chuck E. Cheese, Freddy Fosbear type of mm-hmm. vibe, right? And uh, they put a person, which is Nicolas Cage, like a per, like they trap him, they bait him, right, to get their tires blown, mm-hmm. and uh, they upcharge him to get their tires fixed or whatever. And they're like, "Oh, you you can work here overnight. Um, you got to clean it up. We got to clean it up like once a year." And so, um, uh, it's essentially a sacrifice um, for these animatronics, so demon possessed animatronic uh, children or people in the town. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, so Nicholas Cage goes in there, works his butt off. Doesn't say a word, it, by the way. 
What was that? He says no words in the entire film. He it's doesn't a, a say a single word. Silent role. I think the only time he ever really makes noise is he's like, mm. or if he's drinking soda, which is mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite things. It's I think so it's good. that is so it's funny. So good. <laughs> but yeah, he, I mean, you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of expression from him in that movie, which is very interesting. You know, he plays a tough guy, just came from a nowhere town, trying to mm-hmm. get out. Trying to make his way home. Kind of like, like a that, runaway you know? kind of character. And, um, He's gritty. He, he doesn't and care who knows. What I think is so funny about him in that role is he doesn't, he's not even faced by any of the animatronics. By like, nothing. He just, he just kills them and then starts cleaning again. <laughs> and which starts is, cleaning again. It's, it's, it's like, so what, funny, what is yeah. the depth of his character? And he goes, I just need to get out of here. And it's like, he's like, it almost feels like an overpowered anime where it's like, he's like, just <laughs> yeah. this character where it's just like, doesn't have any expression. Like one hits him and then just goes back to what he was doing. Cause it's that far beneath him. That's Beats the kind of characters that I'm talking fake about. Ostrich with broomsticks and then cleans up its dead corpse. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I know you haven't seen pig yet, but that's very similar to what he does in that movie. Like, dude, really? There, like I told you before, there's an underground fight ring for the different chefs and, and people in that movie. And he like, yeah, it literally it's the opposite that time like he takes the hits instead of deals them and so yeah. but he's he's just sitting there the whole time like stone-faced and then after he's like bloody and beat up he just gets up and walks over and takes what he needs and leaves and it's like he doesn't say a word it's so i think it's his best work for those kind of movies and willie's yeah. wonderland was a true testament to that because it made me feel so great like i was in that movie i would totally watch that again multiple times because okay. of that that arcade style like late night i love that abandoned building feeling and he's just cleaning yeah. it all up working and then these things are trying to kill him yeah i think nick cage was the best part of that movie even though he didn't say a single word so that's my favorite type of nick cage stuff i love you nick cage when you do dialogue but i man you're so good when it comes to grunting you're a good and just, silent actor oh, G- yeah. getting into dialogue real quick i want to mention um mm-hmm. he does quite a bit of voice acting not, not right. i mean not a crazy amount but uh he's done like the ant bully which is one of my favorite animated movies from movie. like my childhood, um, <laughs> kind of obscure, I think, but um, he does a voice in that. Uh, he does Sorry, whoever made Aunt Bully. another obscure Disney movie, uh, G Force, a bunch of <laughs> guinea pigs guinea that pigs. Uh, are secret agents. Um, yeah. And then he does The Crudes, which Croods, is a pretty famous uh, or pretty well known animated film, and. My favorite one of his voice acting list is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. He does Spider-Man Noir, um, which is perfect because when it comes to dialogue, uh, his broody voice is so funny to me. Dude, he's so good. (laughs) Peter Parker from... Peter Peter Parker Parker from... (laughs) Peter <laughs> from the 1920s. Dude, that was good. <laughs> oh my god! I okay, watched so, my uncle Ben die, and I swore I would. Dude, that's him. pretty good. Dude, Nick Cage, if you want to come on the show, just let us know. Hey, um, Nicholas Cage, just listen to sir. our to our impressions of you while you sit here and don't say a word. Nobody has to know you're on this podcast that so nobody can see. Our we just want to watch your strong silent type in podcast format. <laughs> We're gonna be like, hello, everybody. We have Nicholas Cage on the show tonight. Drink a soda right now, Nick. I swear to God, drink a soda right now. He's like, <laughs> and like that was him, guys. You heard it. You heard it here. You Nick heard Cage the glugging. That was Nicholas Cage drinking a soda pop, just like his role in Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> okay, is it guys, just me? Guys, what's the point in this part? Shut up. <laughs> He's like, guys, I'm serious. I gotta get this. I gotta get this done. I'm like, dude, Nick, you're staying here. I gotta go, guys. Come on. <laughs> 
better sit there. There's an unbearable weight of massive talent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, is it just me, or does it feel like that Nick Cage, in my opinion, again, may be unpopular? That he I don't does care about your opinion. His, yeah, I know me either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he does his best work in a silent role on screen and voice acting. Um, like, I just think it's the voice and the face and the body, you know what I mean? The physical and the audio separate. Oh, they go I feel like separate. he does his best work. Together, I'm sure he does great. He is Nicolas Cage. He's a great actor. But when it comes to doing those things separately, I feel like he'd shine. So, maybe I'm going to form opinion. my final opinion. I don't... Uh, I agree that he shines in both of those, but I wouldn't say those are his, you know, piece of resistance. That's okay. Um, Disagreement is okay among us. But I do want to say that I think some of my favorite roles of Nick, I don't know why, are dads when he plays a dad, <laughs> right? Yep. So Color Out of Space being one of them. Dad the movie Mom crazy. and Dad, you remember that one? <laughs> I didn't <laughs> watch Mom and Dad, he's trying to but kill his kids. I know I will love it. <laughs> he plays a good dad, even though he's trying to kill him. Yeah. Um... And then the movie, Kick-Ass. Oh. The, co- the, the movie based off the comic. Um, I forgot He plays that. like this like parody of Batman, right? Oh, and that's so cool. Have you seen Kick-Ass? Don't shame me. <gasps> okay, you know what? We're not going to... We'll shame you at the end of the episode. Yeah, shame me at the real end quick, of the let me... <laughs> so he plays like this like parody of Batman, right? right. And uh, he's training his daughter to be like a, a defender, a vigilante almost, right. uh, to defend herself. And the very first time you see Nick in this movie is him shooting his daughter in the chest with a gun, right? He's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> sweetie. Bam! And you just see her fly back. And then uh, it cuts, and he, it, like it's like a shot from underneath. Yeah. And you see him like look over her, and he's like, so how did it feel? And, you know, she's wearing like a bulletproof yeah. vest. Yeah. And uh, he That's just plays awesome. like the crazy dad, man. It's Dude. it's so funny to me, and it's it's so Nick. Well, the the because, lanky longness you know, of his this body. One, he's actually a good dad. He's a great father, yeah. but obviously, you know, uh, has some problems, <laughs> some uh, problems training his daughter to be a vigilante. So it's like one of those very like overprotective, but mm-hmm. sweet. You know, like right. a sweet overprotective. But nah, I think you're I think you're just a, crossing the line just a little bit too much there, bud. A little tweak to just a little, like, uh, just kind of, you know, a little over the edge. I have to protect my daughter. <laughs> I sound like Owen Wilson. I sound like yeah, Owen do. Wilson trying I'm to do a for Nicolas you to be Cage like, impression. Like, wow. 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 <laughs> Nicholas Cage is like, that's not how I sound. <laughs> Loki, wow. <laughs> okay, here's my opinion. Um, just real quick, going back to his B-rated films, I wrote something down that I, I wanted to share about that. Uh, it seems okay. like that in all of his films that he's done since 2009 till now, which I feel like he's coming out of his financial crisis, uh, says, I wrote, he, it is almost like uh, Nick Cage on, oh, sorry, wrong quote. I feel like Nick Cage in all of his bad movies still put on his best and didn't bother with it until the fact, with the fact that the movie was just for money. It felt that um, he was aware, as he seems to be the, the whole time due to his surreal personality, yeah. Um, of the poor situation he was in, but it did not come across in the movies, even though they were indie films. So that's my final take on his movies. Uh, I think he did a great job with just pushing through and being, um, you know, just working for a movie after movie and putting his best into every film. Cause that's what makes doing it for his, himself. Really? Yeah. I mean, besides financial gain, like doing it as right. an actor. Yeah. And I feel like that's what makes him a better actor when it comes to his greatest stuff. And so my, um, here's my last thing. 
Uh, my theme of the movie was we love a good comeback story. Nick, you're a great oh, yeah. comeback story. Um, and here's the last thing. This is kind of interesting. Last thing I want to say. It seems like Nick unconsciously got what he wanted. A mythical uh, or a cult following of himself. Yep. Uh, and because he had to go through this tough time, it was almost like he was just working as a new actor the whole time. And maybe yep. that's what it takes to get a true following as an actor. That's my so take. So <laughs> for all you aspiring actors out there, um, make a bunch of money taking these Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Spend all of your money. Uh, Waste it all. for the Holy Grail or whatever mm-hmm. mythological Steel dinosaur artifact bones. you want to look for. Um, and then, <laughs> did I already say spend all your money? Yeah, do it again. Spend all your money twice. <laughs> maybe you can get two Build followers. it back up. Have a cult following. Maybe even start your own cult. I don't, I right. don't know. Start your own cult but, uh, online. But the whole point is you have to go through the tough time. Yep. And we love a good comeback WWNCD. Story. What would Nicolas Cage do? What would Nicolas Cage do? And what, what would Nicolas Cage do? We've the end of the episode. <laughs> Nicolas Cage wants to steal a dinosaur head and spend, <laughs> spend $150 million. I feel like he's not going to get offended by this, but I just feel like we're, we're, we're punching the spirit of Nick Cage right now. <laughs> no, nah, like, Nick, we love you. This is all in love, dude. It's all in love. Your bad movies... Are not bad to us. They're no. art. They are art. The tough things that you We're, went through to get where you are today is is an it's inspiring. Honestly, you're you're an inspiration, Nick. We love you. Please come on the podcast. You're probably never gonna hear this. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Dang, dude. Watch one day. We're gonna get a freaking phone call. It's gonna be like, he's <laughs> be like, you know, guys, welcome. I kind of a, be like, Nick, get on the show. He's like, I'm not gonna say anything. It's like that's fine. Just come on the show. Make grunting noises. That's the whole point, Nick. <laughs> oh my dude gosh. i swear i would freak out i feel like he'd be, i feel like he'd be like mad at us he'd be like you've been tarnishing my name <laughs> i don't know what i'm supposed to do anymore with the two most important film podcast individuals in the country in the world ever bro we don't even know who we are how do you how do you know who we are he's like i know people <laughs> like oh i'm gonna be right. like bro put me in put me in your next movie please let me play your son and that, then the full circle instead of comes you. back, and then he's Coppola, and he says no to you, and you turn out to be his nephew. What? <laughs> Mind blow. Denton Silas Coppola. Oh my gosh. And with that, I think we've reached the end of this episode, don't you, Denton? I think we have. Um, just a little ending, ending note. Uh... Thank you for watching. We love Nicolas Cage. Uh, Don't know why we wanted to go into a breakdown, but, you know, (laughs) Nicolas Cage is is that of a spirit of Hollywood. He is is something that roams Hollywood freely and people love and fear. And uh, (laughs) we love and fear Nicolas Cage. Um, I just thought this would be an interesting episode. Adam agreed to do do it because it's so ridiculous it's been in the works so for a long that, time so we're super glad that was uh the nicholas cage breakdown the mm-hmm. art of nicholas cage mm-hmm. i am denton mcguire with spoilers welcome and i'm adam evenson with spoilers welcome thank you guys so much for watching uh please tune in to our next episode whatever that may be and hopefully in the future our twitch live stream of the nicholas cage movie because honestly if we get to do that that would be so cool i love talking about nick cage let's do it again let honestly we're gonna we're gonna one of these days we're gonna have a twitch a twitch nick cage binge <laughs> just watch all 100 um, when he hits 150 w- movies we, when he we w- do oh a live stream. 
He's almost there, once, guys. Once I can make all of my monetary gain from this podcast, that we will do that. We will do that for sure. Okay, 150 we, days of Nick. All right. We, 150 days of Nick, dude. I'm down. I'm 150 down. days of Nick. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You guys are great. Thank you so much for watching. And we will we'll check you out on the next show. We'll see you guys later. All right. Signing off. Signing off. Peace out. Bye. Bye.